numbers this morning, and uh, I sure appreciate the Sunday school hour. Thank God for uh, Brother Dax and what he what he taught on. It helps uh, helps sometimes when it lines up, kind of lines up with the preaching. And a lot of what he said is going to go along with some things I'm going to say today. And uh, I'm looking forward to what God will do for us. Numbers chapter number 10 this morning. And I want to begin reading in verse 29. Numbers chapter number 10. And I want to begin reading in verse number 29 this morning. I'll give you just a moment to get there. And uh, I pray that the Lord will speak to our hearts. I hope you come to hear from Him. If you didn't come to hear from the Lord, I don't know why you came. I wouldn't come to church. I wouldn't get out of the bed to listen to me talk. I mean that. I hope you've come to hear from God. And I hope He'll do the preaching today. Numbers chapter number 10. And I want to begin reading verse number 29. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Numbers chapter number 10 and verse number 29. The Word of God said, And Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Ragel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying unto the place which the Lord said, I will give it you. Come thou with us, and we will do good, do thee good. For the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. Now, amen goes right there. But notice what the Bible says in verse number 30. And he, talking of Hobab, the Bible said, and he said unto him, I will not go, but I will depart to mine own land and to my kindred. If the Lord will help us tonight or this morning, my thought comes from verse number 30 when Hobab says these words, I will not go. If God will help me this morning, I want to... Uh, preach to you on this thought, what happens when you will not go? What happens when you will not go? Let's pray. You pray with me and pray for me, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord, I come to you humbly, Lord, one more time. I ask you for great power and strength, Lord. Give me wisdom, Lord. Give me the words to say. God, I'm, I'm here this morning because this is where you've placed me. And I pray, dear God, Lord, that you'd bind the devil. And uh, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd lose your spirit. I, I pray, God, that there'd be liberty in this place. Lord, you said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God, I've had liberty many, many times in this church. And God, I don't want this to be no different. Lord, please help me this morning as I try to preach what you put in my heart. I pray, God, most of all for the increase that only you can give. Lord, I can say words, but God, only you can speak to hearts. And I pray that you do that this morning. God, put your hand on me, please, Lord. Use me for thy goodness and thy grace. And Lord, for your name to be praised and for what you do in this place, I'll be careful to thank you. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, stay with me for about 10 minutes if you would. I would like to lay a foundation this morning concerning the context of our Scripture. May I say this morning by way of introduction, it is here in our text where we find a man by the name of Hobab who has made his way to Moses from his home in Midian. Now, you must understand 
And the Bible lets us know that Hobab has to be the brother to the wife of Moses, which is Zipporah. May I say the Bible said in verse number 29, read it with me. And Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Ragel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. Now, if you know anything about your Bible, you know that Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. Ragel slash Jethro. That's his name. I preached the message one time on how Jethro found Jehovah. Uh, if you'll go back in your Bible in Exodus chapter number 17 is where we were last week. If you'll turn over one chapter to chapter number 18, you'll find that Jethro, the father, uh, father-in-law of Moses, makes his way uh, to Moses and Moses begins to explain uh, the goodness of God and what great things uh, that God had done for Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. Now, I want to remind you they have sojourned in this wilderness 40 years. It took them 40 years to get from Egypt, to get from Babylon, to get from slavery, bondage, and captivity. It took them 40 years to reach Canaan's fair land. But may I say for 40 years that was their goal. That was their aim. That was their future lodging place. And so Jethro comes to Moses and you know the story. Jethro gets right. He he says, my God, he has been good to y'all. And he trusts the God of Moses and the God of the children of Israel. Now stay with me. I got to tell you this or you have no idea where we are. And so there we go. There's Jethro. Well, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law has a son by the name of Hobab. And Hobab is found right here in our text. Jethro in Numbers chapter number 10 has passed away. Jethro is no longer the priest. In other words, Moses' father-in-law has been put in the ground and Hobab has been brought to the scene. Now if you know anything about your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it was more than just custom. It was almost covenant for a man, a young man child, what the Bible called him, when a father would pass away, would not only inherit the father's things, but often he would inherit the father's title. In other words, he would step up in doing whatever his father done. If he was a king, we find most of the time that the king's son became a king. If he was a priest, most of the time the priest's son became a priest. And so, here Hobab is, he's the priest. Now let me remind you, under the Old Testament, you'll find there are three offices in the Old Testament and those offices are the office of the prophet, the office of the priest, and the office of the king. May I say that the priest was second in command. There was there was only one man under the king in, in authority, next to the king rather, in authority and that was the priest. Hobab had a lot going for him, if you will, back yonder in Midian. Now, I'm telling you, stay with me. I've been studying. i got a lot to tell you. But here's what you'll find about the the Midianites. The Midianites were nomads. The Midianites were tribal. They were nomads. They were Arabians. Are you listening? 
Palestine. They were from Arabia. And here this, here this whole Bab is. And he is following the, the footsteps of his father to a sense. He's doing the occupation of what his father done. He is a ruling over, if you will, the people that his father ruled over. He is performing the covenants and he's going through the ordinances just like Jethro had done. But one thing separates Jethro from his son Hobab. May I say Jethro seen the works of the Lord and said I don't have what they got but I want it. But Hobab sees the works of the Lord and says well it looks awful good but I, listen now, will not go. May I say in verse 29 we find right there that Hobab has stepped up by way of obligation and way of authority in the footsteps of his father but he did not follow his father's example when it came to following the man of God and God in his life. May I say this morning Moses stay with me now I'm all close. Moses is still doing what God thank God Moses is still doing what God had told him to do. I don't know why I've been stuck here in the Old Testament, but man, God's been unloading my wagon on Moses and the children of Israel. We just preached on Wednesday night. We preached out of Exodus chapter number 17 and Moses is there and the children of Israel. And boy, they're complaining. They said, Moses, we about to thirst to death. And here was my thought your preacher ain't a water pump. My God, they're trying to turn water out of a man that was just as thirsty as they were and just as dry as they were. In chapter number 16 of Exodus, you'll find that they were trying to turn the man of God into a bread factory. They wanted Moses to supply them with bread. And Moses once again told them, I am not capable of providing bread. I can only give you what I've got and I don't have what you need. Somebody say amen. It's been a journey, needless to say. For 40 years, Moses is fighting battle after battle. But may I say, he still stayed true. Listen now. Today will help you if you'll let it. He stayed true to pursuing Canaan's fair land. May I say this morning, Moses the man of God. He's led the children of Israel out of bondage and he's pursuing the, the land that's flowing with blessing of milk and honey. But it don't take long to realize that this journey through the wilderness would not always be a blessing. Are you listening today? As I begin to read about the children of Israel being led out of Egypt by Moses, it don't take long to key in on the fact that the children of Israel had just walked away from the world's most wicked and worst regime of all time. You talk about dictatorship, friend. You should have lived under Pharaoh. They were servants. They were brick makers over in Egypt. That's all they knew was laying stones and laying bricks. They were servants 
servants in a strange land. May I say one would automatically, now stay with me, one would automatically assume that their journey through the wilderness towards Canaan, they've left all that. They've left buildings making bricks. They've left the hand of Pharaoh. They've left a place where there was no God nor no tabernacle of God. And they're heading to Canaan by God. You'd think they'd be shouting, Brother Shelby. You'd think they'd be singing farther along. Still go farther. Count the milestones one by one. But if you know your Bible, you know that it was far from that kind of journey. The whole time these children of Israel are grumbling. The whole time they're complaining. The whole time they're sinning. The whole time they're disobeying. The whole time they're rebelling. The whole time they are trying to please themselves and revolt against the man of God and revolt against the commandments of God and do things on their own. Listen now, I said they was in the wilderness for 40 years. Let me tell you something, friend. It was not because God wanted them to be. I believe with all my heart, if they'd have just done what God said to do, and if they'd have just stayed true to Him, and if they'd just listened to their preacher, and if they'd just followed the orders that God was giving them, I don't think they'd have journeyed through the wilderness for 40 years. I think they'd have reached Canaan's fair land a whole lot sooner than what they did. But thank God, despite their rebellion, and despite the disobedience and despite the battles and the enemies and the valleys and the war and the trouble and the trial they had a man of God that did not wave the white flag of surrender but he kept pursuing Canaan's land now somebody ought to hear me and hear me well I'm looking at a bunch of folks today God's done saved you he's done pulled you out of bondage he's done got you out of the hand I'm living in Canaan. No, you ain't. Right. Amen. Y'all, y'all want a pastor or an evangelist every week? 
You try your best to tell me you're living in Canaan, but the fact that you sit there and God the Holy Ghost, I can run through this building and you don't move a muscle, you won't grin, you won't grunt, you won't even grumble, bless God. You're so content, you won't even complain, you just hear. Let me tell you what you are in the body of Christ when you're not, listen, that's going to be hard to take, but when you're not living in Canaan, I'm going to tell you what you're doing for this church, you're doing nothing. You're dead weight. You're not helping. You're not contributing. Are you mad? Oh no! I'm not mad. I'm begging you. Come on on this side. Canaan's prayer land. I'm thanking God. I found out what it was to live in Canaan. I'm not enduring this thing. I'm not having to swallow my way through. I had no sad stories. I've got a smile in my heart. I've got joy in my soul. I'm glad, hallelujah, and to live for God in Canaan's prayer. I'm not enduring my, this thing. I'm enjoying it. Are you listening? I'm trying to tell you there is a Canaan land. And Hobab had an opportunity to live there. You know what he said? I will not go. Mm. Can I tell you this morning, my friend, hear me and hear me well. God, listen, 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 listen. Capital L, listen. God did not save you for you to wander around in the wilderness your whole life. As I said it, as excuse me, as sad as it is to say, may I say this morning, I'm afraid that we're looking at most Christians still on God because here's what they are. They're content that they know without a shadow of a doubt when it comes time for them to die that they're going to cross over into heaven and that's enough. Listen to me friend. I'm trying to tell you this morning. If that's your mentality of Christianity is I've done what it took to get my name in written in the Lamb's book of life. My friend you're living. You're robbing yourself. I'm living a joyful life. Hey, good neighbor, I got a whole lot more than fire assurance. When I got set fire insurance, when I got saved, friend, I got a friend that's sticking closer to brother. I got, hey, glory to God. I got a God that'll walk with me and talk with me. I'm trying to tell you, if you're not living in Canaan, you're wandering around aimlessly in the wilderness. And living in day and hour, unfortunately, that is, Brother Carlos, that is the majority of Christians. I believe that. I do. They're content just being saved. Well, what could be better than being saved? Nothing can be better than being saved. Sure it can. Being saved and Doing something about it. Yeah. Come on. Let me ask you a question. We're going to get down the road, Mr. Road. Y'all think you're canning out, so let's find out. When's the last time that you had so much joy and peace and love and were so overflowing that you went to somebody else and asked them if they'd come move to Canaan with you? Right. Redneck terms. Yeah. Don't you come to church with me and get hold of me? Oh, I'm living in Canaan. You ain't never space. People sitting in the building ain't never witnessed a sinner one time since God saved you. You're living in the wilderness. I don't give a rip what they say or what you 
You're in the wilderness. Sure, you're saved. They were saved. They had been delivered. They were not in bondage at this point. But they were still in the wilderness. Where was they supposed to get to? Canaan. Canaan. And Hobad has the opportunity, Brother Chris, to go to the land flowing of milk and honey. And he says, I will not go. My God. Can I say this generation of Christianity has fallen into the whirlwind of the wilderness? Here we go. By choice. Let me tell you something. There's people sitting here. You remember what it was like when you got saved? Y'all remember that lift that come off of you and that burning? Y'all remember that fullness God filled you out of? Y'all remember that drive you had to tell the whole world all the time? What Jesus had done for you. Y'all remember that drive you had? You was itching. I mean, you was you was wiggling in your seat of your pants, thinking that God might let you take up an offering. God might let you take somebody's hand at the door. God might let you sing a song. God might let you clean the bathroom. And bless God, we couldn't get something out of you if it was your last opportunity to breathe air. What's happened? You're living in the wilderness, friend. You're not enjoying Canaan's land. You're satisfied. That was being delivered. And it stopped right there. I'm trying to tell you, y'all to get on this side. Come over to Canaan's side. Come over to Canaan's side. It's a whole lot better to serve Christ in Canaan than it is in the wilderness. Most Christians who are living their life, some sitting here, have no intention on being a sanctified Christian. You have no intention on being a serving or a servant Christian. You have no intention on being a sacrificial Christian. We just going to get what we get out of you, bless God, and that's all you're doing. It's a good message going in me. I'm going to tell you what we need. We need service. We need sacrifice. And I'm here to I'm here to declare and tell you loud and proud if you don't have a, a sacrificial bone in your body it's because you built your house in the wilderness my God if you're living serving God in Canaan's land you can't help but empty your pockets you can't help but give everything you got you can't help but show up on the weekend to work you can't help but take a trash out why because you look around in Canaan's land and you realize I used to be an Egypt. I used to be a slave. I used to be a servant. I used to be in the wilderness. I used to have to face the giants. I used to have to fight. I used to have to fast. But now I'm free. Now I'm delivered. Now I'm clean. Now I'm holy. Now I'm righteous. Now I'm justified. All through Christ. If you're in Canaan, you'll be what you ought to be. Just because you're satisfied with being saved, you're going to die saved in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. It was not God's intent for the children of Israel to die in the wilderness. God didn't save you so you could sit on your blessed assurance. Hey, man. He did not save you to sit on your blessed assurance, sing, I know my name is there, and go home and do nothing for Jesus. 
Well, I say there's a Canaan land experience for those who want it. My friend, you can be saved. Listen now. Some of y'all ain't got this. Do you know you can be saved and live in victory? Well, everybody knows that. I don't think they do. I believe there's a whole lot of people that think the more they walk through life discouraged and defeated, woe is me, down and out, and depressed, the more they think they're, I guess, on the same level as Jesus or something. Ever met the Christians that ain't never got a thing in the world good to say about being a Christian? Ever met them ones that you couldn't get a smile out of them if you had to? You ever met them ones that they shake your hand and they're mad about it? What's wrong with them? They've been delivered from Egypt, but they ain't made Canaan yet. Help me somebody. Sure, it's good. The wilderness is better than Egypt. I believe that. I believe it's better. I mean, you've got to think what's going on in the wilderness. The Bible says there's a cloud over my day and a cloud and a pillar of fire over my night. I mean, God's shading them and then God's lighting the path. I mean, God's bringing bread manna down from heaven and God's putting water out of a rock and God's letting them overcome and overthrow the city with large walls and gates and giants. I mean, God's blessing in the back. It's more than they've seen in Egypt, but it ain't nothing compared to Canaan. Amen. Let me tell you something. There's people that see just enough of God's glory in the wilderness that that's all they want. Well, I ain't such a bad place. I mean, I see the fire every now and then. Every now and then, the, 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 the cloud will cover me and God will shout to me every now and then. Every now and then, I get real hungry. God will let me feed from His table in heaven and give me manna and give me water and give me bread. Hey, friend, uh, if you get over to Canaan, you can have it like that every single day. But you've got to say yes. You can't say no. You can be saved and live Victory. You can be saved and have joy. It's foreign. This is foreign. Used to, most saved people had joy. I'm looking at y'all. My God, somebody steal y'all's dog last night? Help somebody. Why are you so grouchy? Help us, Lord. I'm not being in the veins. I'm being the pastor. That's right. Why is it every time somebody even hints for you to help, you get ticked off? Right. Amen. Why is it every time a little church like this needs a big offering, you get upset? Amen. We're going to be here. It takes money, honey. We ain't got much. We got more than we think we got. But we'll keep most of it down here somewhere in the bank. on this. I'm going to tell you, listen. These people, you know how I know this? The Lord has breathed this into my heart. These people sitting in this room right now, you'll die and go to your grave before you let anybody know that these offerings we've been taking up for a jubilee and that piano, 
You'll die and go to your grave before you let anybody know what's bothered you, but it's bothered you. It's bothered you. You want to know why it's bothered you? You ain't in Canaan. I hate to say it, but I believe if God were to bless this church abundantly and double it by this time next year, I don't think everybody in this building right now in the shape we're in, I really don't believe everybody would be happy about it. Surely to God we would. You know what people did? You know what people do and how they get? They get accustomed yep, yep. to their environment. We're like little hermits. And, and if it gets out of reach or gets out of it gets out of the norm. Yeah. Well, church was doing better before we had all these people, all these troublemakers. Church was doing better. We had a whole lot less problems when we had less people. Right. Let me tell you something, neighbor. We need ever stink and one we can cram in here. That world's dying and going to hell. That world's still full of Christians that are shallow. They don't know nothing about that Bible. They have no doctrinal roots. They're not established. They're tossed to and fro. They need a Bible church. I say bring them all. They'll bring hell in. You mark them down. on this side in case. Trying to figure it all out and figure it all in. I'm trying to help you, I promise you. Can I say you're missing out if you're not in Canaan? <laughs> Old country preachers used to say it like this, it just gets gooder and gooder all the time. It just gets gooder and gooder all the time. I used to sing an old song. I need to start singing it again. It says, Since I've started for His kingdom, since my life He controls, and since I gave my heart to Jesus the longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. And the longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. And the more that I love Him, the more joy He bestows like this each day it's like heaven my heart amen overflows the longer I serve him the sweeter he grows let me tell you something about Canaan it just gets sweeter and sweeter all the time so much more to Christianity than conversion. Are you listening to me? There's a whole lot more to Christianity than conversion. That's the first thing God does. That's when you're born. Amen. How do you all, after you got the natural life, just stay there and never grew? 
We all grew into in the toddlers and then children and then preteens and teens and young adults and then adults and then middle-aged adults and old-age adults. That, that's exactly what we ought to do in Christ. We ought to mature and grow. The Lord help me. That was all introduction. You guys good? Yes, sir. I don't get to preach tonight, so I give I give you a double barrel shotgun. I'm gonna try to hurry for real though. Lord help me, I want to preach on this thought. Are you still with me? For real. Are you listening? Amen. What happens when you will not go? Listen now, what happens when you will not go? First of all, number one, I want you to see the glamorous path. The glamorous path. Look at verse 29. The Bible said, Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Regal, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, look here, take your pen if you write in your Bible, and underline, we are journeying. I'm talking about the glamorous path. Moses says we are journeying. May I say and may I remind you again that the wilderness was not their permanent residence. Listen now. Instead, it was a providential route. It was not their permanent residence. It was a providential route. It was a crossing from one area of life to the from the burden of life, listen to me, stay with me, to the blessing of life. Yeah. Amen. It wasn't a residence. The wilderness wasn't a residence. It was a route. May I say it's important to note that as much hell as Moses had endured and as much opposition as Moses had faced and as much disappointment as Moses had felt, he was quick to assure Hobab that it was all just a part of the journey. May I say, despite all the gum, the grit, the grime, and the ungodliness, you know what Moses had to say about the, about the journey? It being glamorous. Yep. Here comes Hobab, technically his brother-in-law in our day, but listed as his father-in-law in their day. Hobab comes up and says, How's things been going? Everything going good? Are you enjoying uh, leading these, this nation from Egypt to Canaan? He said, oh yes. He said, we are just journeying. Yeah. It's a glamorous path. May I say, you say, how, preacher? Here's how it can be. You say, this whole world, this world's a wilderness. There's a song about that somewhere. I don't know if it's a good song or not. But this world's a wilderness. I, I've heard that. And uh, I, can I say it? Said this, this world's a wilderness. Uh, may I say to you this morning, there's a whole lot of trials. Listen, stay with me now. There's a whole lot of trials you're going to endure uh, trying to live in Canaan. There's a whole lot of troubles you'll face uh, trying to live in Canaan. There's a whole lot of disappointments uh, you'll be faced with trying to live in Canaan. But listen to me. Uh, despite the grime, the grit, the gum, and the ungodliness, it can still be a glamorous uh, a journey. Why? Because the wilderness is not a permanent place. It's just a path. You can still shout in the midst of your trouble. Why? Because trouble comes to pass. Storms come to go. Now I say as Christians, we've been set on a providential route. 
This world is not my home. I'm a pilgrim passing through. May I say, friend, thanks be unto God. I'm glad to report to you we're not looking for a place to anchor down. But down here in this world, we're just on a journey. And I'm a sick and a cynic whose builder and maker is God. He say, anybody going to help me today? I'm glad this ain't all there is to this thing. There is a place of Canaan that you and I can live in as Christians. Moses had seen things get tough. He had been hurt. Times had been hard. And without a shadow of a doubt, his heart was heavy. I bet you. You try leading all them bunch of knuckleheads 40 years from, the, from Egypt to Canaan. He was pressing through. Look here, with a positive attitude. Rug Josh, I... I'm just sold up on my church because things they ain't going like I thought they'd go or they should go and I thought the Lord would allow them to go. So that's why I'm sitting here up, dried up on the vine. Listen, neighbor, why in the world do you make every problem a permanent residence? Yeah. I have three of you say something. Why do you make every problem an obstacle? You have a permanent residence. Why can't you look at it as this is somebody another? God's providence. This is just a providential route. Right. It's just a journey. journey. How many of y'all can look back maybe at this time last year and your world was upside down? Right. But it's a little better today. Yeah. Why? The journey. Thank you, Lord. How many of y'all can look back this time last year and things were great and now they're not so good? Why? It's a journey. But it can be a glamorous journey. How can it be wonderful when everything's going wrong in the wilderness? Because the wilderness is not where you're supposed to die. Get the Canaan. It's just a part of the route. It's not a residence. We see the glamorous path. I'm skipping a bunch, but... May I say, if you're not careful, you will lose your joy along the path to Canaan because you make the wilderness your home. How many good people have lost their joy in the trouble, in the trial? And if they had just stayed faithful, they'd have got triumph. But now we look at their life, and you know what we remember them by? their trouble, and their trial. But those that we've seen faced with great opposition and great troubles and trials that press through, you know what we talk about when we see them? We don't talk about their trouble or their trial. We talk about their triumph over their trouble and their trial. Listen to me. Your problem can and will define you if you let it. I mean, if anybody had a biblical reason to throw the towel in and sit down and resign from the back, from the First Baptist Church of the Nation of Knuckleheads, it would have been Moses. But you know what he said? Nope. God's give me a promise. There's a land where there'll be no more burdens, there'll be blessing. Where there'll be no more hardships, there'll be honey. Are you listening? There'll be no more. There'll be no more uh, uh, mess. There'll be milk. I'm headed to Canaan. Can I? Can I? Can I ask you something? If you're in the wilderness and you don't want to be this morning, 
You think, well, God saved me and delivered me and things are going better, but I'm still, I mean, things are tough. I'm just not enjoying this thing. Can I ask you a serious question? Are you ready? Will you come with me to Canaan? Come on. It can't be that easy. Sure it is. We see the glamorous path. Secondly, I want you to see the generous plea. The generous plea. Look at verse 28. Everybody all right? I've been preaching 40 minutes. And I've had something to say for 40 minutes. Look at verse 28. Or excuse me. Not 28. Verse number 29. The generous plea. Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Rachel the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying. There's your, there's your glamorous path. Unto the place which the Lord said, I will give it you. Look here. Here's your generous plea. Come now with us. Now, let me remind you of something. Are you listening? Listen to me. You're not going to understand this. This plea from Moses to Hobab to come to Canaan is a very generous plea. Why? Because I want to remind you that Hobab is an outsider. He is not an Israelite. Hello? He is not an Israelite. He's not a child of God. He's not from the nation of Israel. He is not the God's choice of people. He is a Midianite. He's not a Jew. He's a Midianite. Are you listening? Yet, he receives an invitation from Moses to go with them, the children of Israel, to Canaan. He just got offered, Brother Chris, a dump load truck full of grace. May I say it sounds familiar to me. Y'all was with me the first 15 minutes and now you want to be on me. That sounds real familiar to me. Last I checked, salvation came to the Jew first. I was an outsider. I was not God's first pick and I don't blame him. That don't bother me to say that. That does not bother me a bit that I was not God's first pick and looking down, but can I say I was the first pick to the Son of God. He died for the church. He died for you and I. May I say this evening or this morning, my friend, I'm glad to record, I'm glad to say it's been recorded that there is a generous plea this morning. You know what God is bidding the saint to do? Come with us. Come over here to the Spirit field life. Uh, come over here to the sold out life. You know what God's doing to the sinner? He's bidding them to come to salvation. He's bidding the saint to come to the spirit filled life. And the cry and the plea is still a generous plea for we do not deserve to base and live in Canaan. But I'm glad I can this morning. We see the plea to the saint the spirit filled life we see the plea of the sinner for salvation may I say for the child of God there's a generous plea for service and living in the spirit filled life get out of the wilderness you know church would be a whole lot listen to me church <coughs> excuse me church would be a whole lot more enjoyable if using Canaan right. 
can't enjoy songs like you used to. It's not because the songs have suddenly lost their touch. It's because you listen to them in two different locations. You first got saved using the sweet by and by. You said the foot of the cross hanging on to the bottom of it and could feel the blood dripping while you listen. I mean, that, you, you, you felt so close. It was almost like you could feel his breath on the back of your neck. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? May I say them days don't have to stop. I know, I know people don't believe that, but they don't. Matter of fact, you can be closer to him 10 years after you got saved than you was the night you got saved. You say, ain't no way. What's the, what's the trick? What's the gimmick? What's, what's the catch? It's no catch. It's simply this. You have become content with living in the wilderness. And you've quit pursuing Canaan. Now I say there's a there's a glamorous path. Yes, there's going to be trouble, but it's just a journey. There is a generous plea. He said, Moses says, come on, Midianite. Come on, you're not a part. You're not a part of this. You're not, you weren't a part of God's plan. You weren't a, you weren't a part of this journey to Canaan. But if you'll come, we'll let you go. Sounds real familiar to me. There's a generous plea. Listen to me. If you're lost, they probably at least one lost. I can't believe you say that. They are. Probably at least, probably two. I'll tell you something. If you go to hell, it's because you want to. Boys, calm down. And women can't do nothing with you, sign with you. Elijah, sit on your rear end, son. Let me tell you something. If you go to hell, it's because you want to. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. If you go to hell, it's because you want to. Preach ain't nobody wants to go to hell. I beg the difference. God's given you the free choice. He's given you a free payment. He's took your sin. You can go to Canaan in that manner and in that, in that time. You can go if you want. And the only reason you won't go is if you're like old man and you simply tell God, I will not go. There's a generous plea. May I say God is still drawing, calling, convicting, and converting sinners. He calls to you today. My friend, all I'm trying to do is what Moses done. I'm trying to ask you, come over. Go with us to Canaan. Thirdly, not only do we see the <coughs> excuse me. Not only do we see the glamorous path and the generous plea, but thirdly, I want you to see the gracious promises of Canaan. Anybody need some incentive as to why you should come to Canaan? Look at verse 29. The Bible said, We are journeying. There's your glamorous path. Come thou with us. There's a generous plea. He said, We will do good, do thee good, for the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel. Here's your gracious promise. Look, 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 look here in verse number 31. He said, Leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of, uh, of eyes, and it shall be if thou go with us. Yea, it shall be that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same we will do unto thee. Now, Hobab knows God has supernaturally blessed the children of Israel through their journey in the wilderness. He knows. 
Moses has told him to part the Red Sea and let us overcome the giants. He let us overcome the enemies that's tried to, uh, to just tried to defeat us along the journey in the wilderness. He'd give us bread when we were hungry, water out of a rock when we were thirsty. I mean, he's got a fire over our head by night that leads the path. He's got a cloud that keeps us from getting dry and burned up and dying by day. He knows. And Moses tells him, I'm telling him, listen to him. He looks whole back in his eyeballs and he said, I can make you, I can promise a lot of things, but one thing I can promise, if you'll come with us, the good things that God does for us, He'll do for you. Yeah. You ever see somebody and you think, man, I wish I had their walk. I wish I had their, that spirit, their countenance. Young ladies, my, my, my Madison, she's not with us today. But two or three times this week, she's talked about Miss Leah here. Very important for you to keep doing what you're doing, being who you are, because people are looking at you. Amen. You know what she told me? She framed me. She said, Dad, I hope when I get Leah's age that I'm still, uh, how'd she put it? She said, I hope when I get Leah's age I'm still, I can't think. Something along the lines, but I hope I'm still as joyful about being saved as she is. It wasn't her words, but it was somewhere in What? Girls, do you want that countenance? You can have it. Now it's not free. Are you listening? Are you listening? I'm going to go a step further. I'm putting putting big weight right here. It should be that the younger ladies are learning from the older ladies. That's right. Right. But there's occasions where the older ladies need to learn from the younger ones. Ooh, y'all didn't like that. <laughs> Let me tell you something, ladies. You don't have to be snappy. You can be sweet. Right. You can be tender. You can be kind. You don't have to boss. You can just sit back and listen. Did you know that? Men, you don't have to rule with a bad attitude, you can rule with grace. You don't have to display your authority and arrogancy. You can do it in humility. You don't have to lead with your chest stuck out. You can lead with your face on an altar. Are you listening? You don't have to flex your muscle. You can sit back and tell the whole world how weak you really are. How can we do that? That's all them blessings and promises that you can get in Canaan. Let me tell you something. It's real easy for a mature Christian to see when another Christian is not close. Why is that? The closer you are to Christ, the more you are like Him. There's a, there's a whole bunch of Christians that ain't nothing like Jesus. You know what that tells me? Wilderness. You can't do right because you're not in Canaan. You know, listen, I'm still preaching. You know it right here. You've heard it preached a hundred times. But for some reason, you just can't do it. Why? You're in the wilderness. You're trying to drink milk in the wilderness that you can't get unless you're in the Canaan. You're trying to eat honey that you in the wilderness that you can't find until you get to Canaan. Moses tells Hobart, 
than we can ever imagine. And you can be a part of it. And he said, is that enough for you? Will you come? You know what he said? I will not go. My God. Let me tell you something. I've preached several times, several, several times to Christians that need to come to Canaan and to lost people that need to come to Canaan. They look at you like a knot on log. They're not moved. This one over here be broken hearted and come weeping. And the one that probably needed things worse than that was sitting back there with a stone face. What's the difference? One was willing to come and one wasn't. See it? Black and white. One wanted it and one did not. There's gracious promises. Can I say we've already seen that promise of salvation, spirit filled life. But then, listen now, I'm trying to hurry, but this is good. Let me ask you something, Teddy Stewart. Do you deserve to do anything for God? What about you, Taylor Griffith? You can't even get out of bed sometimes. You think you deserve the same? You think you do? I want you to keep saying it. No. Not like that, stupid. Amy, do you think we deserve all the goodness of the Lord and what He's done for us? Have we learned that? The clothes on our back, you know who put them there? God. The shoes that are on my feet was paid for in full by God's people. My underdrawers are on my body because the saint of God that sat on the pew. Are you listening? This old white dingy t-shirt that I'm sweating down in. Brother John, you helped pay for it. Not because we deserve it. It's just a part of being in Canada. There's so much blessing, everybody gets a little. There's so much honey, everybody gets some. There's so much milk, everybody can give them a big tall glass of Canaan whole milk. Not 2%. It ain't 2% in Canaan. It is not 2% in Canaan. Milk out, boys. Oh, bless God. Are you listening? I'm still preaching. What 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 is it? Some gracious promises. Take something. I don't have to think whether or not God will bless you if you'll come on over and can. I can assure you. God will bless you. As promises as that is. You know what we find? We find a grievous problem. There's a glamorous path. It's just a journey. There's a generous plea. Come with us. There's some gracious promises. What God will do for us, He'll do for you. Oh, I don't need to forget this before we go to the to, before we go to the grievous problem. Look at me in let me borrow your Bible. Look at me in verse 31, everybody. Okay. Verse 31. 
Now Moses, now, now Hobab has already said, I'm not going. Okay? Look at verse 31. And Moses says this, and he said, Leave us not, I pray. Uh, leave us not, I pray thee. Hobab, please don't go back to Midian. Don't be a nomad. Don't go back to being a priest. You can join the, the blessing of God. He said, For as much as thou knowest how we ought to encamp in the wilderness, thou mayest be to us instead of eyes. Look here, verse 32. And it shall be, Hobab, if thou go with us, yea, it shall be, that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will do unto me. You know what he said, Brother Teddy? Moses said, Hobab, not only do you have a promise not only do you have a promise of salvation, not only do you have a promise of being spirit-filled, not only do you have a promise of being uh, 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 I can't remember the other one, but you have a promise. You have a promise, opportunity to serve. Now look what he said. You know what he said? Hold back. If anybody knows this wilderness, it's you. Right. Shelby, where did Shelby go? All right. If anybody knew the wilderness, Hobab knew the wilderness. Right. You know what he said? Not only can you come with us, but you can serve. Here, here's what you can be, Hobab. You can be our eyes in the wilderness. Yeah. Listen to me, child of God. God saved some of y'all out of different sins than he did others. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. You can help spot the danger in the wilderness. If you know what it's like to be in that, you can spot out things that maybe I can't. You can serve. He said, we'll put you at the front of the pack because you know the way of this world. You know the way of the wilderness. You can help us move and uh, uh, you can help us move and, and, and journey through the wilderness. You know, you know, Obama, you can help us. He gave an opportunity to serve. Right. Now, so that because I ask you, you think you deserve it? Think you deserve it? Yes. Fact is, none of us do. Brother right. Chris, it's a miracle. Yes. That God, if all He ever did was let you get up like you did today and play for five minutes before we started service, that's a big deal. Yes. How do you figure? Because you still could be lost. On your way to hell, high, drunk, divorced, dead, locked up, out of your mind. Is anybody going to help me? I'm about done. But I'm trying to tell you that God will give you an opportunity to serve if you'll come to camp. To give you an opportunity. Lastly, the grievous problem. The grievous problem. We know the problem. We all know the problem, don't we? What Hobab say? He said, I will what? Thank you, Miss Geneva. Is anybody else it's still attending? Hobab said, I will. Y'all, are you guys always out of rhythm like this or what? Hobab said, I will. Took four times. Thank you for helping. He said, I will not go. He's been offered everything. Amen. Not just join in, but serve. Be a leader. 
Look out for us. But there's a grievous problem. May I say it's obvious just by what we've already looked at that these words created a grievous problem. Why did Hobab refuse to go to Canaan? Let me ask you, what is it keeping you out of Canaan? Child of God, why do you not want to enjoy this? There's something, Brother, Brother Eric, that people are holding on to that they want to stay.